The Apostle Paul challenged believers to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And he drove this point home in Ephesians chapter 4 when he said there is one body. We're going to pursue one vision together. When the church is unified, the mission is maximized. We are one. church family. Go and look at somebody on your right, somebody on the left. Go and just tell them, say, I'm glad you made it today. Yeah, all right. Uh, in case uh, you're new to the, the church or maybe you just never um, had the opportunity to kind of, because I, I meet people every week, was like, hey, I've been here like three times over the last three months, never heard you preach. Uh, that happens sometimes because we rotate. And, uh, and so you've had the opportunity to kind of hear other folks preaching uh, a little bit lately. But my name's Wayne, and uh, I'm the lead pastor of, uh, of our church here at First Baptist Simpsonville Upstate Church. And today is going to be very unique. Um, God has been doing some crazy stuff over the last couple of years. Just to give you a snapshot of, if I were to summarize the context of our church uh, uh, in, in kind of one or two sentences. We are a church that meets in 15 distinct worship gatherings at seven different locations across the upstate every Sunday morning. And I know that sounds super complicated, maybe even a little crazy, but the, the awesome thing is over the last two years, we have been walking through an initiative called the One Initiative, which has had a, a goal and a, a heart of, of really connecting unity with the mission. And you have likely, if you've been here more than a few times, you may have heard this statement, when the church is unified, the mission is maximized. And that was, in theory, kind of what we thought the Scripture teaches about who we are and what God calls it. But if you think about it practically, if you think about it practically, a church that's divided is not going to accomplish anything. And I think our country is a picture of that because a, a people who are divided are not going to accomplish very much together. If you spend all of your time arguing, if you spend all of your time upset with each other, then you really don't celebrate an awful lot. You're just mad all the time. And so it's what's wrong. I believe part of what's wrong with the church in North America is we are so um, uh, postured in a posture of defense. We're always wanting to disagree and tell people where they're wrong. And uh, as a result, the mission is, is minimized. We actually choose debate over disciple-making. And when that takes place, the church dies. And that's what we see everywhere we turn, it seems, in our day. But, uh, but here's the thing. God's been blessing our church in a remarkable way. And I want to celebrate that. I want us to brag on Jesus and thank God for all that he's been doing. But I'm going to share some specific things. If you've been here very much, you haven't. You don't hear a lot of metrics. We don't talk about we had this many uh, or that many. But today is going to be a lot of that so that we can kind of celebrate the last couple of years. And let me just go and start off with this. We welcomed over 1,000 new members and we celebrated over 360 new believers baptized since January of 2022. We hit a ton of attendance records and it's going to hit a bunch of people in here in relationship to the various areas of their ministries. But we had for the first time over 370 students at midweek on a Wednesday night. We had 990 children register for VBS Max in the summer. 
And then we hosted a conference with 850 young adults in attendance from across the upstate this uh, fall. But we're not only growing younger, our senior adult population is growing. And, uh, and you may think, well, that's other services. Man, there are senior adults in this room, all right? And we're grateful every campus has senior adult population actually growing because we're reaching all generations for the glory of God. And it's because we're unified. We're unified. I'm going to make this simple little point. I believe we are one to the point I'm able to say, I think our church is more unified than your family lunch will be at Thanksgiving this, uh, this month, all right? I think that's totally true. All right? All right? You'd think thousands of folks, there's no way that we could be unified. But man, there is, there seems to be just a, a laser focus on what God is leading us to do as a people. Perhaps the most shocking statistic is our Sunday morning worship attendance, which has grown by 79% over the last 24 months. Just in case you're wondering, that's not normal. That, that's crazy for a church uh, in our day. God's doing something really exceptional in First Baptist Simpson Upstate Church, and we're just hanging on as tight as we can to hope that we don't get thrown out off the train. We, we've had big days in the past. We've had Christmas Eve. By the way, if you've never been to a Christmas Eve service here, you are missing out. You got to come this year. It's one of the most amazing things. We have big days like Christmas Eve, big days like Easter, but for the first time in, in our church's history this fall, like in the last month or two, We've had multiple Sundays where we've had more than 4,000 in total attendance in our church on all campuses. It's just been a God thing. That's a big deal. In addition to all of this, your church was recognized. I almost didn't mention this because I don't want anybody to take it the wrong way, but I think you should know this is an honor. Our church was recognized by Outreach Magazine as one of the 50 fastest growing churches in the United States of America. And that's reason to praise God. Amen. We thank God for that. But, but let's look beyond the numeric growth, all right? Look beyond the metrics for just a second. In the same time that we're talking about all this growth has taken place, your church has partnered with new church planters in six different states. And you, spent a, you sent 150 people on their first mission trip ever this last year. During the one initiative, you actually gave a quarter of a million dollars straight to mission field. I'm talking like through the International Mission Board of our denomination, you sent a quarter of a million straight to missionaries on the field. But even while we celebrate your giving to missions this morning, there actually is a team of our people uh, with feet on the ground on the other side of the planet in Thailand, even as we speak. And that's pretty cool to know that it never stops. It's like the sun seems to never go down on the mission and the ministry of your church. But wait, we don't want to just talk about the missions on the other side of the world. We also care about the people across the street. You serve the community by uh, repairing roofs, by building wheelchair ramps. You may say, well, that wasn't me. It should have been, amen? And so we, we, we saw God use you in a remarkable way by showing the love of Jesus in a multitude of ways. You packed over 2,400 Christmas shoeboxes for kids around the world. You prepared over 800 prisoner packets all just last Christmas. That's you. That's what God has been doing through you. And I want to personally just say I'm proud to be not just a pastor. I'm proud to be a part of Upstate Church. 
But just before we started the One Initiative, we launched two brand new campuses in Malden and Anderson. And at that point, that's why every video we show says five campuses. Well, now we have seven locations, six campuses. But back then, this was so right before we started this One Initiative two years ago, we launched the Malden and Anderson campuses. And today, both of those campuses are healthy and they're growing. We recently Um, celebrated Anderson's new permanent home with a merger as they merged with Orville Baptist Church. And now they are officially a multi-generational campus because before that, they were literally 95 to 98% college students, which is fantastic. But now you've got a bunch of college students and a bunch of senior adults miraculously loving Jesus together. Isn't that amazing? Wow. And so, yeah, praise the Lord. That's awesome. And, and it's proven like the, the most uncommon stuff is happening in your church because that's not normal. Most of the time what happens is churches pick, you know, hey, we're just going to be a young church. And so they, they have modern worship and they have haze and they have lights. And so we're just going to focus on this. And, or they, you don't have to try hard to do the other, but the, there are a lot of churches. In fact, the vast majority that uh, unofficially are just trying to reach senior adults, Right. And it's like if you walked in the back door of the church, they would all have white hair. Here's the fact. You're in a a church where we're legitimately caring about everybody. We want to reach everybody. We're not just going to pick and choose generations. We truthfully want to target every man, woman, boy, and girl in the upstate for the glory of God. And so with that, the Simpsonville campus has continued to prove that God's math is a little different than ours because even while we have sent out over the last seven to eight years, we've sent out literally hundreds of members to multiple campus plants across the upstate. There are more people worshiping downtown Simpsonville uh, today than two years ago, than three years ago, than four years ago. It's like downtown campus continues to grow even as we continue to send out hundreds of folks. Our Five Forks campus has experienced a ton of growth as well, especially in the areas of young families with kids and students. And quite frankly, we are out of space in Five Forks. They literally, I mean, the kids' kids' room is like, they're worshiping like this. They can't even do hand motions. It's just like, you know. So uh, they're out of space. And and so here's the thing. You need to join me in praying that, because that's your church, by the way. It's not, oh, we're helping all these churches. That's our church. That's your church. And so with that, we need to pray that God would help our church at that location find opportunities to grow and expand beyond that facility we're currently in. In 2022, we merged with Laurel Baptist Church on the corner of Haywood and Lawrence Road. And now it's become Upstate Church Haywood, which started on Easter Sunday of this year, that's literally six months old. And in six months, they're already averaging over 400 every Sunday morning and in two languages, and that's remarkable. So because, yeah, go and praise God for that. Because of your faithful giving, it's not just giving. You'll never hear me say it's all about giving, but it definitely, giving has something to do with it. Because of your faithfulness in giving and serving, we, we were able to renovate that sanctuary. We were planning to immediately or maybe eventually build a worship center out of the gymnasium. And this is just transparency with you. God's plans were better than ours. The church church is growing so much, and that campus grew so fast, we didn't have time. 
we, we launched it almost like as a secret. It was an internal launch is what we were calling it. We sent about 200, 250 people from Harrison Bridge and downtown and, and all the other campuses contributed as well. And God's just done some crazy stuff. And so if it weren't for your generosity, we couldn't have renovated that sanctuary uh, like we did. And even currently, they're in the process of renovating group space and kids space so that they have just as good of an experience on Sunday morning and Wednesday night as we do here. And that shows, it's a demonstration that we are one. We're one church. We're not one church with a bunch of satellites, no. We're one church. Every campus of this church is just as much this church as this campus. That's a big statement. I'm going to say it again. Listen, every campus of our church is just as much First Baptist Simpsonville Upstate Church as the downtown Simpsonville campus. God has called us to become one. And so this is like the icing on the cake. Today, Upstate Church Harrison Bridge is worshiping for the first time in their brand new worship center. Isn't that awesome? I think we have a, check this out. So the, I was talking about the kids space at Five Forks. Well, the worship space at Harrison Bridge has been that way for several years. They were running 600 at one time with, uh, with a, a worship center of 200 person capacity. Unbelievable. They had three services every Sunday morning. Well, now with a 400 seat worship center, they're able to go to two services. And, uh, but God is gonna quickly grow them to the point to where I believe they'll be back in three and he's gonna continue to tell his story through our campus over at Harrison Bridge. And so here's, here's the fact. The fact of the matter is in the midst of all the growth, it's, it's kind of easy to kind of say, man, I'll be honest, it's kind of easy to get used to it. It's kind of easy to have so much to celebrate, we forget how awesome God is. We forget how uncommon and how exceptional the work he's doing. Uh, the, the truth is, God has been working. It's not because of you, it, 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 it's not because of me, it's, it's because of him through you. It's because of your surrender to him. And that's really a major point to make quickly, is that if it weren't for you being willing to volunteer, in various areas of service and on mission, if it weren't for your willingness to surrender in the area of giving your resources and generosity, this couldn't happen. God's used you in a remarkable way. But this is the, the discouraging part of it. And, and I'm, I'm just going to leave you with this challenge. The truth is, I had Brian just do a little statistical research. He's our executive pastor of operations. And uh, he came up with the statistics that, that are pretty overwhelming today, that 30% of adults in our church, 30% of the people who are, are hearing the voices of your teaching pastors today serve about 90% of the volunteer hours. 30% of you are doing 90% of the work. And about 30% of you are giving about 90% of the offering dollars. Now, that, that's a pretty challenging, confrontational statistic to share, but it's one we need to own because here's the question we have to ask today. Has God done all of these amazing things through you or in spite of you? See, we're part of a great church, and that's really cool. I love, I love that I get to pastor an awesome church, but is God doing all this in spite of me or is God doing this through me? Like, am I part of it? Am I a participant? Or am I just an observer? It'd be real easy in our church, a church our size, to just be satisfied 
with being a passenger. Let me challenge you to lean into the mission of God. Over the next four weeks, we're starting next Sunday with our deeper initiative. So on the way out today, you're going to get this one initiative celebration pamphlet, all right? And this is the last time you'll hear us talk about one. We're moving beyond one, all right? Uh, God has worked in a remarkable way. And we're praying that now he'll, he'll, as we shift into the deeper initiative, that we'll see the purpose here is that over the last four years in particular, we have grown out. We have expanded rapidly as a church. But we've also grown up. We've grown a lot numerically. We need to grow deeper. We need to grow deeper in our personal relationship with Jesus. So we're going to challenge everybody. You need to grow deeper in your connection with Christ. But then we're going to say we need to also grow deeper in our community with one another. So we don't just need to improve our relationship with God. We need to improve our relationship with each other. And that's going to involve groups and, and a lot of other accountability opportunities and, and, and devotional opportunities. But then beyond that, we need to grow deeper in our commitment. Those two areas where 30% are doing the 90 Man, God is calling us all to be... Can you imagine what God would do in the upstate if everybody got on board? It'd be crazy, man. So grow deeper in your commitment to Christ in the area of serving and giving. And then finally, grow deeper in the area of commission. And that is just to, to make connections for Jesus and have gospel conversations. Next four weeks, we're just really going to make commitments together to be the people that God's called us to be. And so with all of that, here's the truth. If we were to say, you know, why has God done all these amazing things in the last two years? Simple fact, the church has been unified and therefore the mission has been maximized. So go and take your Bible and turn with me to Ephesians chapter four. I'm gonna end where we started. Two years ago, we read Ephesians chapter four at the beginning of the one initiative. And, and that day we read Ephesians chapter four uh, one through probably about 15 or 16, and we focused on unity because that's what the text really talks about. But it doesn't just talk about unity for unity's sake. It talks about unity for the mission's sake and for the sake of the glory of God. And so that really is, I'd say, if, if there was any one thing, if somebody were to say, what is the secret, man? Why have people been coming to faith in Christ so much? Why are, why are we seeing so many people baptized? Why are we seeing the church grow so much? I do think God's hand is on our church. But listen, I think in large part, he is responding to your surrender to come together as one. He's responding to our willingness to say, you know what? God's will and God's purpose is bigger than my will and my purpose. I want to surrender me. I want to put myself on a shelf and I want to surrender to him. I'm going to make much of him, not make much of me. And that ultimately is, I believe, what God is using in the life of our church across all these campuses. He's using this surrender to a unified mission. Look at verse 1 in Ephesians chapter 4. Paul says, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Therefore, uh, there is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one according to the measure of Christ's gift. And so we see that grace is a gift that was given to you. 
Now you may say, wait a minute, I know I'm saved and so I was given grace at salvation because it's by grace you've been saved. And so sure, grace is a gift that I got when I was saved. But it goes beyond that. Grace is a gift that you were given to to actually give it back to God. By grace you've been given gifts, some of y'all are exceptional uh, singers, but you've never one time given the gift that God has given to you to him. And you, just, and you may say, well, you may lean over to your husband and say, he ain't talking about you, amen, just, don't worry about it. He ain't talking about you. But some of y'all, are, are you have gifts to, to teach, but you've never one time given that, that gift of teaching to the Lord and used it in the church. Some of you have amazing personalities. You never meet a stranger. You're just, you have a, just a contagious spirit. Again, you might want to lean over to somebody and say, he ain't talking about you, all right? But, but, but there are some of y'all that just, uh, you're, you just, you're so uh, magnetic in that. And you would be amazing. Look, God could use you and your smile and your sweet spirit to welcome people in his church. But you've never one time thought, you know what? God's given me this to give back to him. God's given, gifted me. He's given me this gift of grace so that I could use it for his glory. And so sometimes we, we separate these things and we think, man, I, I'm gifted in business. I'm gifted in, uh, you know, God's made, you know, I know he's given you a great intellect. And maybe you'd say, well, I mean, look, you know why God's given you that mind? For his glory. You know why God's given you that keen sense of strategy in business? For his glory. That's why he's gifted us. And that, so the scripture's telling us very clearly the reason we've been gifted is is ultimately so that we fit together as a body of believers. We're unified. We'll hear it in just a minute even more specifically. We come together like a human body. And when we come together, the joints fit together and we complete one another. And the mission of the church is maximized because we're all using the gifts and the resources that he has given to us. And so listen, as it talks about, Paul speaks of walking worthy. This is what we've got to understand. We walk worthy not by living up to the gospel. It'd be real easy for us to say, well, Wayne, how can I walk worthy? Because I'm not good enough. And I would agree, neither am I. None of us can walk worthy if that's what the measurement is. Like we're somehow supposed to do enough to be worthy of God. That's never going to happen. We walk worthy not by living up to the gospel, but living, but by living out of the gospel. So in other words, Christ has changed us. He saved us. He's empowered us by his grace and therefore we can walk worthy because he's going to be the one giving us the grace to do so. And so with that, we understand when the church is unified, the mission is maximized. I'm gonna give you three characteristics of a church that is one. Three characteristics of a church that is one. And here's the first, it's right here in the text. There's a culture of uncommon grace. A church that is one, a church that has a unified mission and heartbeat for God is going to be a a place that has uncommon grace demonstrated and shown to one another. And that is because God is demonstrating his grace to us. In verse 7, it says, grace was given to each one of us. We're talking about those gifts. God has given you gifts by grace. But even beyond that, 2 Corinthians 12, 9, Jesus himself said... My grace is sufficient for you. What was he saying when he said that? His grace is enough. God's grace is enough. 
man, you just don't understand. I just, you know, my parents, bad situation. His grace is enough. Man, you don't know about my, my, my rebellious kids driving me crazy. God's grace is enough. Why well, you just don't understand, man? I'm, I'm just got, I'm, my schedule's so busy. I'm just hectic. I'm filled with anxiety. The pressures of being dad or mom and you know, trying to make ends meet. God's grace is enough. See, when we, when we actually get away a and we get confused, we get distracted, we get further away from an acknowledgement of God's grace being necessary in our lives, that's when we start feeling the weight of the burden because we're not giving it to him. We're, we're carrying that which only he can carry. His grace is enough. The, the last part of that verse, 2 Corinthians 12, 9, you need to memorize this. Listen, it says, uh, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. So really, the weaker we admit we are and acknowledge we are without Jesus, the more grace he pours out on us. And I think that is an explanation for what God is doing in our church. The more we say we can't, he does. God is working in a remarkable way. And so Ephesians 4, 2, how does it say we're supposed to uh, walk worthy? It says, with all humility and gentleness and with patience, bearing one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. These are like, seem like redundant uh, points over and over, stated again and again. It says, we need to be humble. We need to be gentle. We need to be patient. We need to bear one another with love. What's bearing with one another mean? Putting up with one another. Putting up with... You ever met a Christian that's hard to put up with? Anybody? Yeah? I mean, if you don't, if you don't laugh, you're probably one of the ones, right? I, we always say that kind of... The truth is God, God has put us together and we're not perfect people. And there's certain characteristics that we all have that make other people crazy. But God calls us to bear with one another in love. We should demonstrate the, the love, the humility, the gentleness, and the patience of God to one another. You know, honestly, visit some churches sometime, and you'll find out most host team members at other churches look like they, they are the welcome team for the DMV instead of the Savior of the world. Amen? Woo! The DMV, man. Praise the Lord. If you work for the DMV, we need to lay hands on you and pray because that is a tough spot to be in. And I know it's tough. But here, the truth of the matter is that the truth, we, we are constantly in need of being reminded that God has called us to represent him. And when we're representing him, we've got to be humble. We've got to make sure we're not putting other, uh, our, uh, our agenda above his agenda, other things in front of his mission. It says we should be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And so the clearest of evidence of someone who has actually been with Jesus is not that uh, he or she can win an argument. Uh, so somebody who's been with Jesus, you're not going to say, oh, that person's been with Jesus because they humiliated someone and proved a point in the public square. That's not evidence of being with Jesus. Evidence of being with Jesus is not an ability to persuade people to come to your side of thinking. That's not necessarily an evidence of being with Jesus. The evidence of someone who's not been with Jesus may be more consistent with an argumentative and a hateful spirit. God calls us to have a spirit of humility, gentleness, and patience. Doesn't mean we're pushovers. It doesn't mean we're passive, but it also means we don't act like the devil. It means we don't, we don't act like 
uh, we don't, we're not guilty of sin in the name of Jesus. That's, that's unbelievable. So God's grace does not produce an obnoxious attitude. God's grace does not produce an obsessive desire to get our personal agenda heard or to have our preferences embraced. You can tell when someone's living out of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They are humble. They are gentle. They're patient. And they promote the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. And I've, I've said this in every service because I think it's, it's noteworthy. Um, we had nominations for deacons a couple weeks ago. And there's multiple people in this service and on other campuses that are being nominated. And we're going to be electing those deacons soon. I'm grateful to God for our deacons. Our deacons, we have about 34, 35 deacons that are on every campus. They represent every campus. And they're a wonderful demonstration of men who are humble, gentle, patient, and promote unity. Would you just thank God for our deacons? I really am grateful for them. I'm very grateful. So there's a culture of uncommon grace. Second, there's an atmosphere of divine expectation. I firmly believe that if, if you believe in God, then we shouldn't have a struggle or trouble believing that God can do God stuff. And so if you're a follower of Jesus, then we should believe for God-sized goals in the future of his church. Here's the truth. He says, Paul says of, of God that he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think. Now, that's a wordy sentence that just means no matter how much you can think God can do and no matter how much you think you can ask God to do, he can do more than that. So think of the biggest thing. Think of the, 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 most, the greatest number of people in the upstate who could be saved. God can save more. The fact is, God, if it's based on God, if our future and if our mission is based on God, then there's no way we can measure it. There's no way we can expect enough. And so part of a church that God uses as one is there's an atmosphere of divine expectation. In verse 11, it offers a list of various areas of giftedness. But the point is not the individual gifts that God has given to us. Ultimately, it's about a bigger purpose. There's a purpose that we all share that's bigger than how good you sing. There's a purpose that we all share that's bigger than how gifted you are to teach. There's a purpose that we all share that's, that's even more important than your great personality that's magnetic and, and could attract people to Christ. The fact of the matter is, there's a purpose that's bigger than you, and it's why we should be ready to, to jump at it. We should be eager to jump into unity so that God could use us for his glory. And so we're gifted uh, in order to be equipped. If you look at verse 12, look, it says that we're gifted to equip the saints for the work of ministry. So the reason God has given you the gifts he's given you is so you could use them for him. So if you're not using your gifts for God's glory, you are wasting them on you. That, that's terrible. And none of us would want to, that to be the description of our spiritual life. And so we've got to lean into this. Look, we, he's called us to equip the saints for the purpose of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood. That's not talking about uh, growing older, and it's not talking about our 
our age or, or even, it's not even specifically talking about men. It's just giving us the picture of maturity in relationship to spiritual things, growing to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And so with that, we understand this equipping, this edifying, this unifying, and this growing in the knowledge of Jesus is the will of God for every Christian. This is not just the will of God for deacons. This is not just the will of God for small group leaders. It's not just the will of God for host team members. It's not just the will of God for pastors and teachers. The will of God for you is to use the gifts he's given you for his glory. And it's, this is not, I promise you, I know it could be real easy for you to think, yeah, I know he's talking about other people with different gifts, but I, I don't really know that I'm fitting the profile you're talking about, Wayne. I promise you, God's given you gifts that you should use for him. And you need to stop wasting them on you. You may say, well, that's super confrontational, man. I need to hear it too. Because oftentimes what we do is we, we squander what God's given us on needless things that are going to burn up in the end. When the things you invest in, when you are in the ministry and the mission of the church, they're eternal in value. So when a, when a person comes to faith in Christ and follows the Lord in baptism, it's why we celebrate. It's because that person's life has been changed forever. And it was worth smiling at the door. It was worth teaching in a group. It was worth it. It was worth singing during worship. And so with all that, the investments we make are for the glory of God and for the, the worship and the glory that he deserves from every man, woman, boy, and girl across the upstate. So there's a culture of grace. And then there's an atmosphere of expectation. Third and final, there's a hunger to grow deeper. And this is really segueing into the next four weeks as we begin next Sunday talking about Growing deeper. What's it mean to grow deeper in our relationship with Jesus? And how can the church help build a system to help us have a devotional life, to help us read our Bibles more? All of that is going to just be next Sunday. And so with that, we're going we're gonna to commit as people who are truly one in this mission. We've unified together. We've grown up. We've grown out. And now we're going to grow deeper, first of all, in our connection with Christ. Look at verse 11 again, Ephesians 4, 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, till we all attain the, to the unity of the faith and knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature manhood, to the measure and stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, rather speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined, there it is, the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly, when everybody's doing their part, when it's not 30% doing 90%, but when it's everyone doing their part, when the parts are working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So how's this going to happen? How does Deeper solve that? How does, how does this new initiative for the next two years that we're going to talk about beginning next week, how do we build this bridge from one to, to Deeper? It's this simple. 
Do we want to stay where we are or do we want to grow and go where God's leading us? Do we want to be the man? I mean, really. I'm not saying Sunday school answer. I'm talking about do you really want to be the man God's called you to be? Do you really want to be the woman God's called you to be? Do you really want to be the family God's calling you to be? Do we really want to be the church? I don't mean be a part of a church that's doing great things for God. I mean, do you want to be the man who's a part of it? Do you want to be the woman who's bought in, who literally is on board, growing in the grace of God? What's it going to take? Sound doctrine, verse 14, no more children. We're going to believe the truth. We're going to teach the truth. We're going to grow in the truth. Secure in faith, no more tossed to and fro. Not, not being blown to the right or blown to the left by every wind of doctrine, but strong in discernment. Let me be transparent. Not allowing an aggressive and divisive political culture and context to cause us to lose our witness for Jesus. That, can we grow up to where the mission of God matters more than anything else? That's really what Paul is challenging us to do is to make the mission of God the most important thing in your life. Now, here's the truth. That involves being a witness. That involves standing for truth. But it also involves standing for truth with humility, patience, remember, gentleness. Be Jesus. Look like Jesus as you speak the truth. So you're surrounded by a ton of noise. The truth is we all are. Everywhere we turn, it seems like there's aggression and everybody's standing in a posture of defense. So it's really been amazing coming out of COVID, the global pandemic that seemed to cause the world to stop spinning for a couple of years. Coming out of that, if you'd have told me two years ago, Wayne, this one initiative is gonna be amazing and God's gonna grow his church exponentially. I would have been encouraged by your faith, but if anybody had ever told me we're going to grow by 79%, 80% in two years, I'd have said you're, you've lost your mind. There's no way. That's just not possible. And I would say with us, it was impossible. But with God, he did it. And so my challenge to you is to, to celebrate what he's done, but, but to believe with me for him to do more in the future. Not to give up because the, the world's going crazy. I'm the first one to admit, I agree. Just read a headline, watch the news, whatever. Talk to, talk to somebody at work or school. People lost their mind. It's nuts to live in this culture, in this day. But God's called us not to compromise or grow complacent or lose our witness because it gets difficult. But he's calling us to grow deeper so that we can have roots to hang on as the wind blows. And we can take our faith <laughs> and we can actually allow it to grow so that we are connecting other people. We continue to connect other people in the upstate with Jesus because we believe he's the one who can change their world. Lord, we love you and I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, that <clears throat> you've given us a church that's about a whole lot more than getting people to meet together and have some songs. God, you've not called us to be consumers, 
God, you've not called us to, to just like little baby birds come in here and open our mouth and, and be fed and then just serve ourselves. But God, you've called us to actually grow. You've called us to grow up. You've called us to be mobilized. Lord, I pray over the next couple weeks that you would, you would help us all be faithful to be here and to even commit our hearts to really becoming a part of a church that's not just a church that makes disciples, but God, we want to be a church filled with disciple makers. God, would you help us? In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me?